0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, SiriusXM XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good
1: morning, it is 830 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keane, and our economic indicators are brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. A slow week ahead, uh, Jobs Week, the first week of the month, always very big for indicators. Uh, this week, not so much. Today, the only thing we really have are the Fed's Labor Market Conditions Index. A lot of uh, labor market numbers, especially out of the jobs report, mushed together. It's supposed to come in at 1 from point. Uh, Four, uh, be surprised if it didn't rise, and then consumer credit later this afternoon. We'll see if uh, we mm-hmm. get any kind of indication of whether Americans still feel you know happy mm-hmm. enough to borrow.
2: Musht came out of econometrics after World War II.
1: Yeah, Mushd. Uh, I, I took a mushed class. The uh,
2: Jolts. You make a big deal about the Jolts survey.
1: Yes, uh, it's delayed data, but it does uh, tell us a lot about. Um, the state of the labor market, how many jobs available, et cetera. The, uh, of course, everybody's still reacting to Friday's jobs report better than forecast in terms of headline numbers. But the big question was, why did we see hours worked and uh, particularly uh, compensation go down? Wages fell uh, after a big jump the month before. Uh, Ian Shepherdson from Pantheon Macroeconomics, had a unique explanation. We wanted to get that from him. He joins us now. Ian, you were the first out of the gate to, to note the, that even before the report, you were expecting a disappointing wage number. Uh, what, what have you found?
3: Well, this is a technicality, Mike. It's a calendar quirk. Um, so the payroll survey is the week of the 12th. Um, And when the the 15th falls on the following Monday or Tuesday, people who are paid semi-monthly, some of them, get missed out of the wage numbers. Now, this isn't supposed to happen. Um, Employers are supposed to recognize when those people are being paid outside the survey period and count them anyway when they report their wage data into the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But some of them clearly don't. And so there's a very, very consistent pattern going back over the past decade when when the data first started to appear Mm. in their current form showing that nine times out of ten, when the 15th is a Monday or Tuesday, the wage numbers come in way below their previous trend, and then they tend to rebound a month or two later. So we don't lose anything permanently, but we do suffer what appears to be these sort of substantially volatile uh, monthly swings in numbers which really ought to be quite smooth, uh, but they're not. And it turns out that a huge amount of that variation is because of this calendar quirk. December was one of those months, and we came in with a zero unexpectedly, Big rebound in January. Then February is another one of these crazy months, and we get a minus 0.1. So it, it's pretty consistent, and uh, you know, absent uh, any other substantive explanation for the, the February weakness, that's what I'm going for.
1: Well, you'd be looking for then uh, a big rebound. What is the underlying state of wage growth once you smooth all this stuff out?
3: Well, it's accelerating. It's certainly accelerating. The trend, stripping out the calendar quirks, is probably now at about 2.5, 2.6 year of a year. This time last year it was 2.0. The year before it was 2.0. The year before it was 2.0. So this has been quite a marked acceleration after a, a long time of very little action going on. Because the funny thing is if you look at the wage numbers in real terms rather than in, in nominal terms, you'll find that they've been accelerating for quite a while. And they've been picking up in line with the tightening of the labor market that you can see in a whole yeah. bunch of surveys, NFIB and, and others. Um, and that tightening uh, is continuing, it uh, has continued for some time, and is signaling that real wage growth has to pick up further. Now, what makes this difficult or interesting is that, given that inflation has now bottomed out, and I think everybody agrees with that now, that we've, we've, we've had the downward pressure on inflation starting to move a little bit to the upside, um, the only way you can get real wage growth accelerating is for nominal wages uh, to pick up faster. Uh, And this is where things get interesting, because I think this is the year when we hit the sort of rates of wage growth that the Fed perhaps begins to dislike. Uh, We don't know what that is, but Stan Fisher said about a month ago that he'd be comfortable to see wage growth at about three. Well, we're not there yet, but I think by the end of the summer we will be, and by the end of the year we'll be at more like three and a half, and that's when things get very tricky for the Fed.
2: I agree with that. Nicely explained on these dynamics, and whether you're an optimist or a pessimist in the economy, the backdrop to wages animal spirit and nominal is sustained real gdp growth are you suggesting ian that real gdp could be 2.8 or dare i say three percent is a run rate
3: uh, three is going to be difficult for the full year because we got a horrible base effect at the end of, of last year because the q4 is so weak but the, but in terms of the quarterly run rate i think three is is plausible probably not for the first quarter but for the second third fourth three is is kind of my base case And if we get that, then, of course, that means that a further decline in the unemployment rate is more or less inevitable. You know, we've seen a big pickup in the labor force in the last few months, but it's not sustainable at this rate. So I think unemployment drops further, puts greater pressure on on real wage growth. And again, because... Inflation isn't going down anymore. That means that uh, to get that real wage growth, you've got to get the nominal. And the Fed, you know, looking back over the last 30 years, uh, there's a pretty consistent pattern of behavior on their part that when wage growth accelerates substantially, they tend to panic. Um, and this happens quite quickly, you know, in I the agree. very last cycle. Yeah, yeah. you know, they, we went from 2% wage growth, 25 where we are now, to 4% yeah. in just over a year. Uh, and during that year, the Fed, the Fed went from being quite relaxed about everything to being in, you know, oh, we've really got to slow this down mode, Mike, and, and rates rose very substantially. We've got
2: to continue this discussion because the heart of the matter is if you assume a Fed do nothing in March, where are they the next Fed meeting after that in terms of getting back to the framework that Ian Shepherdson? Structures, well, they're way behind.
1: It, 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 it's even worse than that because they got to wait till June, really. If, they, if nobody thinks they would move in the April twenty seventh right. meeting, because there's no press conference, yeah. So that you know they got to wait uh, several uh, more months.
2: I, I don't know. I find it fascinating what you just heard there, folks. Was very important. Again, Ian Shepherdson. Look for that across the Bloomberg terminal. We'll continue with uh, Doctor Shepherdson here, but I also want to point out all of our interviews: Jeff Garton, Ian Shepherdson, and the rest. Uh, Out on iTunes and podcasts here uh, in uh, a bit. Negative eight on the S and P. The Dow futures negative forty two.
1: Let's check in with Michael Barr now. Get the latest world and national headlines, Mike.
4: Mike Tom, thank you very much. The two Democratic candidates squared off in the debate in Flint, Michigan, last night. The state has one hundred forty seven delegates up for grabs for tomorrow's presidential primary. Senator Bernie Sanders continuing his argument to invest in municipal projects.
2: In the wealthiest country in the history of the world, we have got to rebuild our crumbling infrastructure, our water systems. I've got a bill for a trillion dollars, creates 13 million jobs, rebuilding Flint, Michigan.
4: Clinton, during the presidential debate on CNN, agreed with Sanders that Michigan's governor should resign after lead-contaminated water. In Flint's drinking water.
0: People should be held accountable wherever that leads. If it leads to resignation or recall, if you're in political office, if it leads to civil uh, penalties, if it leads to criminal responsibility.
4: Nancy Reagan will be buried next to her husband at the Reagan Presidential Library. The former first lady died yesterday at age 94. A spokeswoman for Jimmy Carter says the former president does not need further treatment for cancer. Global news, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr.
1: Mike, Tom? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stashower. John?
0: Thanks, Mike. Rangers and Islanders, longtime rivals, but now when they play, it is truly a battle of New York City teams, and this year it's been all Islanders. They've won all three meetings at the Guard. They led 3-0 five minutes in. They led 4-3 third period when the Rangers tied it. But with a minute and a half to go, Cal Clutterbuck scored off a faceoff. Isles won 6-4, to four, two goals for Johnny Wojciech. Islanders go six and one on their road trip. In Newark, all penguins, they beat the Slumping devils six to one. Golden State Warriors, an amazing 55 and six, but when they have lost, it's always been on the road, mostly by wide margins and mostly to bad teams, routed by the lowly Lakers, 112 to 95, as Steph Curry and Clay Thompson together shot one for 18 on three pointers. There could be several local teams in the upcoming NCAA tournament, assured of one coming out of the Metro Atlantic, as Monmouth will play Iona in tonight's final in Albany, and at the Colonial in Baltimore, Hofstra will play North Carolina Wilmington for the right to go to the NCAAs. Encouraging news for the Yankees, Masahiro Tanaka, two scoreless innings in his first outing since elbow surgery last year. Not many of the all-time greats end their careers with a championship victory. Peyton Manning did. He had already hinted this could be his last rodeo, as he says, and it was. He retires with five MVPs, two Super Bowl wins, almost all the career passing records. He'll meet the media in Denver today. With Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stash.
2: John, thanks so much. Appreciate that. On a Monday, as we move forward uh, through the week, (laughs) we always do it looking at equities, bonds, Currencies, commodities, quiet on a Monday, always, it seems. After a jobs report, we did see adjustment yields higher off the jobs report. But the curve really didn't steepen all that much. It did a little. 101 basis points right now. 1.01 percentage points between the 10-year and the 2-year. That's a little bit steeper over the last number of days. The 10-year, 1.90%. The 2-year, 0.89%. Even three-month T-bill, lofty. At a zero point two seven percent, S and P futures at negative eight down. Futures at negative forty eight, and the yen is that global barometer churning one thirteen fifty four. This is Bloomberg surveillance.
1: Earnings for U.S. corporations up 1.5% if you leave out energy. Is that enough to keep wages growing? We'll continue our conversation with Pantheon Macroeconomics' Ian Shepherdson here on Surveillance.